Welcome to the podcast Friends of Elomos. This is the first episode recorded on February the 3rd, 2019 at the FOSDEM conference in Brussels. We've been talking about development work around the Elomos, Omnius CE, OpenDiana and SmartOS projects. If you like this podcast, then please do spread the word on your preferred social media channels. My name is Thomas Wagner and please enjoy. Okay, hello. This is uh, the podcast Friends of Ilomas. We are in uh, Brussels at the FOSDEM conference and um, we just had the idea to record a podcast because the interesting people are together. And we have some guests and uh, who wants to start? Introduce yourself. Okay, Andy. <laughs> I'm Andy Fiddeman. I work on the Omnios project, which is a distribution of Ilomas. Thank you. Uh, my name is Alan Jude. I'm from the FreeBSD project, which is a friend of Illumos. <laughs> I'm Hans Rosenfeld, and I work for Giant uh, mostly on Beehive. I'm Till Wegmüller, and I work mostly on Open Indiana and writing my own Go programs. Yes, and we have guests. Volker Brandt is my name, and I dabble in all things Solaris, and I start many things and finish a few of them. But um, I am still very fascinated by working with it. Okay, thank you for the introduction. We have an agenda, um, and we'll see how far we get. Um, one of the topics we are most interested in is upstreaming. We have several uh, distributions, several source code repositories, but uh, it's hard work to sync them. Okay, so I'll just start with it. Um, so since a little over a year, we've had been working on Beehive on uh, SmartOS, and it seems everybody's very excited about it. And so are we, uh, Omnios has taken it uh, into their distribution already, and the plan is to start upstreaming it very soon. And that's, of course, not the only thing that needs to be upstreamed. There's so many changes on various uh, forks of the Lumis gate. And, um, and generally, it, the idea is to, to improve the Lumis, bring them all together, and but if everybody can use it readily, take some burden off the distributions. Yeah, this has definitely uh, been a, a theme in the FreeBSD community, especially with vendors doing downstream forks, uh, of that the more of their code they can send back upstream reduces their maintenance burden going forward. And since all of our projects only have limited resources, the the less overhead we can have, the better. Uh, so the more things we can get upstream uh, and available a the features are available to everybody which is a, a great goal but also just reducing the the delta so that it's easier to pull in fixes and, and features from the other forks because the differences are less because we've got as much of it as as is practical commonized from the open indiana side we would be very very happy as soon as that happens because we are kind of the the smallest group of people and we do not do any uh downstream picking or anything like OmniOS can do, we can't do it. We don't have the manpower for it. So we uh, are stuck with anything that's upstream, uh, and that's it. Yeah, In, in OmniOS, we, we do take commits from other distributions where it makes sense and where it's exciting, like Beehive. Um, but we try not to make changes in our local tree that are for us. If we do, we upstream them very quickly. So we're in not a bad position there. But we have got bits from Joyent particularly, 
from Next Center, from Delphix, we've taken SMB2 client support in. So we have a lot of different commits from lots of different forks, and every week when we do a rebase, we have conflict. So the more of that that can go upstream, the better all of our life will be. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. I mean, you're in a pretty good position to help with upstreaming <laughs> because of that. Um, one of the other things, specifically speaking about BIF, is also upstreaming our changes back to FreeBSD, and I'm yes. very happy to hear that um, well, the last remaining roadblock of that has apparently been cleared. Yes. Um, um, we're very excited to start seeing those changes come back and uh, to have growth on both sides uh, there as we make Beehive better for everybody. What would be next um, to improve this upstreaming? Topic. Who needs to work with, with whom? <laughs> What's the status on the process? Does anybody of us know? Well, the, the process is the pretty much the same integration process that we use all the time. Um, what it needs to upstream in particular big pieces of it, like, like Beehive or like the Alex brand and, and smaller as everything is, well, someone to actually um, to do, do the work to take all the commits, all the various commits that have accumulated over time and put them in a shape that can be integrated. I guess it's not so much a review burden. Most of the time the difficulty is to just understand the change and uh, understand the background. For instance, if you're just porting a bug fix from, say, Dailflix or Nextento or, or, or some others, um, to actually know the background of that so you can actually um, engage in the process and explain it to the reviewers and the advocates. That's sometimes the biggest challenge. And when it comes to the really big stuff, it's just an insane amount of work that just gets worse along your wait. And uh, I'm quite happy that Omnios has been working on that stuff because that'll help immensely. Yeah. I mean, for, for Beehive, we are that much closer to gate than Joyent is, which <laughs> means that the, the commits hopefully will upstream easier. And also every commit we've taken from the smart OS for Beehive is tagged so we, we have the list so yeah we want to help with that yeah that's just awesome <laughs> um, so the, it's not really necessary to kind of force the, the, the change in the process that people were talking about or is that a completely different topic you mean a change in the integration process or contribution process uh, review, process. review process I think with RTI there was a discussion There wasn't really a discussion to change it uh, in its essence. It was more of like a discussion to, to open it up to more people and making it a little bit easier. But uh, the general premise of doing a review, doing testing, and then get a formal approval from an advocate will probably stay in place for the foreseeable future. But, well, yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody would object that changes should be reviewed, should be tested, should be approved. Um, there's talk of maybe introducing some new tools to make it a bit easier. Ah, okay. Yeah, but cool. The the actual hard work is is not really in in that process. It's it's really collecting the stuff, putting it together in a way that it still builds outside of its original context. And. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, because it was in a fork and then it needs upstreaming and how many bits have we lost? Yeah, and, exactly. and, and and sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty as probably some others too. I've, I've done interesting stuff at my time uh, at Nick Center that I didn't upstream at the time because of pretty much just time pressure at work. And now it's been five years later and I found them upstreamed and I can't remember half of it. And <laughs> that, that was just plain silly. And uh, 
I, I think one of the things that we need to do, we developers need to do, is to um, upstream our stuff as soon as we can after we've done it, after it hit our own uh, projects we are directly working on. Well, looking from the outside, um, the perspective is that uh, sometimes it, the reviewers are the bottleneck. For example, when I see uh, ERC, IRC traffic, I can see people asking for review and waiting and waiting. And is that a, uh, a correct impression? Is it because the reviewers are too few on, and overworked? Or what's what's the real problem? I can't really tell if It's that's probably correct. both. I mean, we are a small community and there's for any uh, subject matter in the Lumos, there's only a number of people who understand it. And in some areas, even there's probably nobody really understanding it. And um, the the actual developers, almost all of them are paid for development by various companies. And that, that's their day job. And some companies are more willing to let their developers do reviews on company time and others are less so. And um, it's just... Uh, We're very small, and we need to kind of figure out how to improve that. But in the end, it's it's just plain work that needs to be done, and there isn't anything that can be done about the lack of developers. So, uh, is there a chance to to have other people join, uh, helping that with that code merge? You mean with the um, like like the Beehive upstreaming merge, or I think mean, you mean adding more merge advocates. Well, the advocates aren't necessarily the people who are doing the reviews. I mean, anybody can do a review. And um, one of the things that is problematic with the advocates, in my opinion, is that while well, we have like 10 people doing that, and not all of them are re really active, And uh, but but the approval process is actually just a very kind of formality uh, that does, is not supposed to actually be looking at the code. All you do as an advocate is look at, uh, does, does the change have re reviewers? Do you have testing notes? Do you describe how you tested it? And uh, do you describe the bug properly in the bug database? And if, if it's built clean and uh, fulfills those uh, requirements, then you don't even have to understand the code or even look at it to, to approve it. So uh, I don't really see a bottleneck in the, the RDI approval, except that, well, sometimes we are just overwhelmed with sheer number of commits because it's still quite a bit of work every time. But it doesn't really involve the actual code, or it should not. Sometimes it still does. And that's also uh, a thing we see in code reviews is trying to find the right size chunk. Uh, you know, you want to not split the change into so many pieces that you're creating a burden by just having, you know, 30 reviews. But a, a giant code drop is harder to review than uh, something that's more yes. uh, broken it, down. It's it's easier to integrate, but yes. harder to review. So mm -hmm. um, traditionally, um, Solaris and, and later also Illumos has preferred larger commits that are self-contained, like adding one feature, one big driver or anything. And more recently, some people have shifted towards a smaller, more incremental approach, and we still have trouble kind of figuring out what the right size is. Okay. Um, we have some other topics. Uh, any choice? We had the topic software modernization to to support uh, the LTS idea. So you have long-term support, but this uh, gives problems. Maybe Andy. Yeah, I think one of the things we talked about that happened in FreeBSD as well was with the introduction of uh, OpenSSL 1.1. Uh, 
they announced that all the older versions of SSL would have support end at the end of 2019, I think. Uh, and so if we're going to have an LTS and FreeBSD that lasts five years or, or Omnios that lasts three, uh, you can't be using a version of OpenSSL that's not going to get security patches for more than half of that time. Uh, and so you kind of get forced into doing the upgrade. Of course, uh, the OpenSSL one in particular was extra problematic because it changed all the APIs and and it's rather difficult for software to support both the old and the new APIs. So it's kind of all or nothing switch. But like, how much other kind of contributed software is in uh, Illumos? Like how many uh, external open source projects are kind of embedded into Illumos? Like I know in FreeBSD we embed like TCP dump, uh, LibArchive, and, and at least 40 other external open source projects. Uh, and just trying to keep all of those up to date is a, a burden on itself. Well, the problem is that not only OpenSSL, there's some other stuff like uh, Python 2 versus Python 3, and you get the situation lots of times. And it's, I think it's just a question of workload. Yeah. In Illumos, it's going the other way. Things are being taken out. But to build bits of Illumos gate, you need to have a working Python interpreter. You need OpenSSL in your build system. So with Omnios having a long-term release coming out in May, which is, which is going to be supported for three years from then, we've actually been driving the OpenSSL and Python updates in Gate. So Gate can now be built with OpenSSL 1.0, 1.1, or LibreSSL, and it can be built with Python 2 and Python 3. So we've made progress there. And it means that when we come out with a long-term support Omnios in May, we don't need to upgrade major bits of it in the three years that it runs. Yeah, we have actually an LTS software, uh, funny enough, Firefox, which has an LTS build. And at the application side, it's, I'm a little bit debating if I want to suggest to the guys to start with regular builds to get in more incremental. Because now with Firefox, we have so many new features that are never have been tested on a Solaris system uh, that are just now making problems. Uh, for example, WebAssembly, where uh, it kind of allocates swap for some reason, uh, or virtual memory probably, and then does both swap and memory allocation in huge amounts and reservations and HTML5 video uh, got completely broken or set interval got completely broken because they, the APIs are different here and it kind of just stutters videos uh, instead of playing them so uh, and now we have also a lot of other stuff coming in uh, just seeing like these big jumps between the LTS versions and yeah uh, that that's kind of the, the the big the big problem as well. Uh, what I see with with applications, especially, I guess libraries are a little bit more uh, practical this way, as they don't have that much pro uh, stuff that they beast into this one uh, project. So, um, with Omnibus, uh, do we have some any? Do we have some examples uh, which libraries are supporting stuff? Um, is, is a maintenance burden. You, you said OpenSSL. I think it was a bit of work to get it into it. OpenSSL is used in several different bits of Lumos Gate, and some of them we just took out completely because they're not used anymore. In fact, it was last year at FOSDEM, but I was convinced that it was a good idea to remove one boot, and we did. Awesome. Other bits we just changed, and, and as you say, the API changed massively from 1.1, and it's much, much better. 
but we still need to support building with 1.0 as well. And some distributions have taken Libra SSL, so we didn't want to break them either. So yeah, it's quite a lot of work, the OpenSSL, and the reviews on it were, were big. But it went in, and it's, it's looking good. So um, do you have any, any wishes for the future uh, where some work is to be done to, to keep the quality for LTS release? Like, can you think of other libraries and, and or embedded applications that are in the Lumos that... There are things that are in the Lumos that are reasonably old and need to be updating, so the multicast DNS is one that is being actively worked on, so... I haven't got anything on my radar, but just just concentrating on getting long term out in May, then we can relax a bit. I'm actually afraid of even talking about it, but I would like to see a sendmail update. <laughs> uh, I, something I can help with. Yeah. <laughs> I've been looking at that. Uh, over, over in FreeBSD, we've been contriving for a number of years to be able to delete OpenSSL uh, from the operating system, but have not managed to get to that point yet. Uh, we were looking at using the uh, Dragonfly mail agent to have the, the basic features, uh, but it's not as suitable as we had hoped uh, for that particular task. Uh, I think we also looked at the OpenBSD one, but it's uh, a full-on mail server, and we kind of don't want to repeat that mistake. OmniOS now ships with Dragonfly as the default. The DMA? Yeah, the, de the default mail agent, because a lot of people just want to build a server and have it be able to send email. And the requirement in a Lumos to have a mail agent is because of things like SMF notifications. But you can install SendMail, you can install Postfix. It's all in the repository, and because we use mediators in the packaging system, we can flick things around and all the links work as you expect. And, and we also have the NetBSD mail wrapper if you're on a, on a distribution that doesn't use packaging that has mediators. Ah, yes, IPS, yeah. And that, that has proved to be really useful. Well, we have some other topics. Um, um, we have software packaging, application stacks, and so. Um, what can we do? It in was even just generally that the concept of being able to use Illumos as a, a desktop or laptop OS, uh, which in, in FreeBSD we found to be quite useful for developers to actually be able to run the OS on their machine. Yeah, eating our own dog food, pretty much. I've actually managed to get that going with my home workstation, funny enough. It's uh, an old gaming rig that had enough memory to compile stuff. So I've just hooked it up again to its three monitors uh, with the NVIDIA driver and uh, made myself a build zone 2.3. And uh, it pretty much is one of the few uh, machines that can compile one of the biggest software packages when it comes to, uh, what was it? Uh, not 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 Nagios or Munin, which required about more than two gigabytes of RAM, and not every VM that the developers tried on had enough RAM to compile that. Rust with its uh, 16, mem 16 gigabyte allocation all of a sudden, and Firefox using Rust also falling into the same trap. Okay, from my own packaging project SFE, uh, you might uh, try LibreOffice compiling. <laughs> uh, you need you need RAM and RAM and RAM, and uh, you need uh, a gigabyte of disk space for temporary files. It's it's really huge. Uh, I have a uh, SmartOS machine with um, four VMs in there for Solaris, uh, Omnios, Obmediana um, Om uh, to compile uh, the, the packages. And uh, when it comes to LibreOffice, uh, then I have to stop every other VM and increase the RAM 
for the for this singer VM, uh, which does which does the LibreOffice compile. Uh, and the other one, uh, which was really big, um, has been Tech. Uh, I tried compiling Tech Live, and uh, I wondered what is what's happening there, and I had to decrease uh, the number of parallel compiles to one and increase the RAM um, uh, for this VM, and then, then it succeeded. But it took half an hour to create an IPS package of three gigabyte in size for this TechMF package. I, I guess you guys don't use LLVM, and, and it's linker, because you'd run into that problem too. It, it will try to eat all of the memory. It's like, I need eight gigs of RAM to link this binary I just compiled for you. Yeah, we got that to come, yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else at the moment? Our um, for for software packaging, especially for for SMF manifests, I think one thing we really need to do is to provide a few more uh, newer edge cases, especially for Go, uh, as it is not a forking uh, applications by default, and SMF needs a few tweaks in the manifest that it doesn't kill the application. Uh, there, so that it keeps it running. But it's possible. I know that Gitea has uh, an SMF manifest that actually works, and this uh, uh, without any method files or anything, just purely the manifest, it can uh, manage a Go application server. Oh, okay. Um, questions for our guests, um, Volker, Jim, do we have something? Uh, oh, we have a, we have a new listener. Uh, Peter is here. If you want to, to to take part, I'll just listen. <laughs> just listen. <laughs> okay. Yes, I do have a suggestion. The problem is um, that there's not enough manpower, and that partly stems from the fact that nobody knows about Illumos, and nobody knows about the difference between Illumos as the source and a distribution that they can all actually use. There's at least three mainstream ones and a lot smaller ones, and they're really nice to have. And I think once we manage to attract more people, then those people bring the, will bring their experiences. And this is not kernel hacking, but maybe it is building software, building packages. And if we have documentation that tells them how to do that and maybe describe what an SMF service is and why it's much better than a systemd unit and um, how to build one very quickly, then maybe people will come and package. And then the next problem arises, where should they go with their package? What should they do to integrate the package with the distribution of their choice? So at the moment, it's difficult and it's different for each distribution. So maybe there is, I know that there are different um, package formats, but maybe there is something like your SFE um, project. Maybe there is some, some way to work together and leverage the fact that there are many smart people out there who know how to build software, but have never heard of Illumos. So how, how to make the operating system a system interesting to these people? Well, like I would say, in FreeBSD, uh, <coughs> our, our project basically broke up into three parts. There's the source, which is the kernel and the user land and all the uh, outside software, the contributed stuff like TCP dump and so on, uh, the documentation, and then the, the third-party software, what we call ports. Uh, there are about twice as many people working on ports than there are being kernel developers and working on yeah. C and so on. Uh, because some of the, it's like, uh, sometimes it's just down to some make files and, and use, I want this application to work. Uh, and I think 
uh, from total contributors is in the thousands and, and people with right access to the repo is, is like 200 and something on the port story. Uh, like we've had more than 200 active contributors in the last year. Uh, and the fact that the third party, keeping the third party software working on FreeBSD as a team that's twice as large as the people actually building the operating system uh, suggests that, yes, uh, making it easier for people to get into that. Yeah. Although, I think Joint uses package source, right? Yes, that's uh, correct. Which is and the same kind of idea as FreeBSD ports and specifically designed to be cross-platform. Yes, and it works works very fine on OmniOS too and on, on Open Indiana and all those other distributions. And uh, apart from that, one of one of the impressions that I got is that both OmniOS and Open Indiana using IPS packaging could actually join force for their extra repositories and kind of try to unify them. But as far as I know, no such project is currently on the way. But it's one of the things that has been talked about in the past a lot, and I think it's still a good idea. And uh, speaking of public relations, people don't know about us. And, well, we're here at Fosten, and we're about to change it. And one of the things that I think we need to do about this is go to more conferences, give give talks about, give presentations about what we're doing, give, give presentations about Illumis itself or about the various distributions and how they are used in, in practice. Another problem that we face is that we should uh, make other people more aware of uh, Illumos, but especially the people who build upstream software because they, uh, there's now a tendency to remove Solaris support. Um, everyone thinks Solaris is dead, and if it isn't, it's uh, some proprietary thing that only Oracle runs. What they don't know is that most of the time, Solaris support will be good enough for any Illumos-based system to just make it run. And when they remove that, they throw out the child with the bathwater, and uh, we lose. Yeah, uh, we've, uh, the FreeBSD project has found that FOSDEM is a great place uh, to work on things like that. For example, we make sure we send people into the rooms where the, all the GNOME developers are working. And based on that, they actually added FreeBSD to their continuous integration so that while they're developing the next version of GNOME, they realize when they introduce something that won't work on FreeBSD, uh, so they know right away, within a day of committing or whatever, that they've broken FreeBSD, whereas previously the way it worked is they'd break FreeBSD, not know it. Six months later, release that version. Then a couple months later, we port it to FreeBSD, and we'd file a bug report a year later, and the developer has obviously moved on and not thinking about the change they made a year ago. Uh, whereas getting that feedback closer to when they were making the change uh, improved the, the quality of that software on FreeBSD. And so, yes, even just going to the different dev rooms and uh, at things like FOSDAM and kind of waving the Illumos flag and making sure that the developers of the various uh, downstream software, third-party software, uh, remember that, oh, yes, that there are still Solaris people out there. Uh, I think uh, something we started the discussion on is also just for events uh, to, to have a, an organization for Illumos, uh, really a... Uh, an association or whatever kind of entity we can think of, of to do uh, the merch and uh, event traveling organization with the money so that we can also see if we have some people that are very interested or very active doing stuff and can't afford to travel so we can maybe finance travel for them and stuff like that. Uh, so what uh, the Open ZFS project did for that is there's a, a foundation called Software in the Public Interest and uh they basically maintain a bank account on behalf of the OpenZFS project. 
and they put the money they get sponsored in there and then use that account to pay to run their conference and so on uh and it's a lot less work than trying to set up your own nonprofit organization in the u.s or in europe uh and you kind of get the economies of scale of you know they already have an accountant or whatever and so something like software in the public interest might be an easier way to get to that uh rather than trying to build an, an lumos association or whatever uh foundation especially since the last few attempts to create an Illumos foundation have failed miserably mm -hmm. for various reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially when all you really want is to be able to, it's, it's to take contributions and be able to... That's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. We need to look into that. And you know, uh, it worked for OpenZFS. But conferences cannot be the only solution. There also needs to be more online material. For example, I went to a lecture called Explain to me as if I'm five. And I, for one, have to say I've been working with Solaris and, I, and I, I know what a gate and what ON is, but many people don't. And even I don't manage to get very much done because it's, uh, if you look under the hood, it's very complicated. And um, we would really do well to put up some more documents, documents in the, on a very basic level. Um, here's this guy. He has a nice software. He wants to make it run everywhere. He finds this Illumos thing. He notices that there is a distribution And then he sends an email to one of the mailing lists and maybe something happens, maybe nothing happens. How can we provide more material that these people can find? We do have uh, the documentation project for Open Indiana at least. I guess maybe something for Illumos would be the similar, like a wiki uh, or the um, simple markdown uh, website pages, kind of a static site generator thing where you can really just docu start to document things, something like read the docs or... Well, we definitely have the the books and the, the developer guide that go all the way back to the Solaris days. They are available on illumos.org, but uh, that's probably not what Falkas was asking for. So, yeah, I guess it just boils down to someone has to do it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Any volunteers? Yes. <laughs> Anyone who knows any technical writing for kids? <laughs> okay I think we are finished now right um, I'll try to, to re release the podcast in the next few days and I hope the Twitter channels uh, and other posts <laughs> will help uh, distribute it uh, so you, if you monitor uh, maybe the um, Open, Open Solaris um, Twitter account or so, uh, I got pretty quickly and uh, uh, retweet uh, about the podcast idea. So when it's released, uh, at least there, I will um, follow up. I thank you for for taking part, and uh, maybe if there is enough interest, maybe we can repeat it next year with new guests, uh, new ideas. Maybe we can report some progress and public relations uh, on um, software stacks and modernization and so on. I hope you enjoyed it and um, see you next. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.